keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning to you. Today is Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. The Feast of St. Isidore of Seville. St. Isidore of Seville was a bishop and doctor of the church known for his zeal, Catholic faith, and observance of ecclesiastical discipline. He was a prolific writer and fought tenaciously against the Arians. In his chosen works, there is a text called Lamentations of a Sinner, where he establishes a profound link between the moral conduct of a man and his exterior behavior. He emphasized that everyone should appear before others in accordance with a Catholic moral ideal. St. Isidore advises seeking good company and avoiding bad company, refuting the progressivist mentality that affirms that the good should mix with the bad in order to, quote, do apostolate. St. Isidore, pray for us. Good morning and happy Tuesday to you. Happy Tuesday, or I should say, Holy Tuesday to you. Today is, in fact, Holy Tuesday, the day that we're leading up to the Triduum. So hopefully that you're having a blessed Holy Week. Hopefully your penances are going well. I don't know what penances you have going on in your life, but it's time. Today is the day to redouble your efforts. Whatever penances you are doing, let's double down on them. Let's try to dedicate the rest of this week to God If you have to go to work this week, if you have to go to school, or whatever it is you have to do, make sure you set aside some time to give some time to God every single day this week. If you can't make it to Mass, if you can't make it to stations, do something at home. Uh, Pray an extra rosary, maybe pray the Seven Sorrows Rosary with with the the CDT team, and it'll be a lot of good. It'll be a good benefit to you. But good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. Wow, Holy Tuesday already. Can't wait for... uh... For Spy Wednesday. Whew. I know. The week is going by incredibly quickly. Yes. And, you know, Spy Wednesday, the, you know, people are like, are saying, man, I feel like something, something's going to be coming down the pipe for, against, uh, something with the church is going to happen on Wednesday because, you know, Spy Wednesday is a day our, our Lord was betrayed by Judas. And I'm like, hmm, that would be very apropos for something bad to happen on that day. So we we shall see. We shall see. And there are rumors swirling. Um, tomorrow we'll find out whether or not they're true. And that'll be interesting to see. But nonetheless, at 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about a man that was that is just got tried as guilty of a crime and may be thrown in prison for creating memes. If you don't know what a meme is, a meme is a little funny picture that people post on the Internet. And somebody may be going to prison for creating a meme. We're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Michael Hitchborn with the Lepanto Institute will be joining us to talk about the USCCB funding trans surgery. That's a very concerning situation as well. That would be through the CCHD. And, well, do the bishops know about it? Do they not know about it? We're going to talk to Michael Hitchborn about this issue at 30 past the hour and and the next hour we're going to have our fear and trembling game show which you know yesterday i'm i have to confess here's my public confession i'll I'll make my public penance later 
the my confession is I told everybody that Thursday was going to be the day we draw a name. But that's actually not true. That's going to be Wednesday. So that means you have an even higher chance of winning this week's prize. Because on Holy Thursday, we're going to set aside the second hour of the of the day uh, to some EWTN programming that is getting ready for Holy Week. And so we'll be on from 6 to 7 Central Time on Thursday. And we'll be on 6 to 7 on Good Friday. But we will not be on from 7 to 8 Central uh, on Thursday or Friday. So just keep that in mind uh, going forward. So make sure you call in for the game show. All that information can be found at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can find all of our information about the game show and about the show in general. But let's jump into this hour. We have so much to pray for. We're praying for whatever it is that you have on your hearts. We're praying for friends or family or benefactors and all those that we promise to pray for. I pray for Dr. Anthony Stein and their new son, Aiden, that they just gave birth to, or his wife, rather. And Josh Patterson, my my dear friend and my old roommate, his wife just gave birth to their son, James. And so prayers for their families, for their newly born sons, and for their wives, and for whatever it is that you have going on during this Holy Week. I pray that you have a successful Holy Week, a blessed Holy Week. Let's begin in prayer. We'll pray the Vini Sancti Spiritus to the Holy Ghost for the month of April dedicated to the Holy Ghost. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and kindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Oremus, O God, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the gift of the same Spirit we may be always truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Tuesday, April 4th, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency reports another act of vandalism. A Nebraska Catholic Church's altar was flipped over and the statue destroyed. The pastor of the Catholic Church in Syracuse, Nebraska, was shocked when he discovered Saturday morning that the altar had been tipped over, a statue desecrated, and several other objects damaged. A Sacred Heart of Jesus statue was broken beyond repair, and candlesticks were damaged as well as the altar stone. The damage amounted to roughly $5,000, he said. The tabernacle and Eucharist remain untouched. Thanks be to God. OSV News reports a, quote, reflection group, end quote, quote, to help decide status of Father Rundick's Mosaics at Lourdes, the Sanctuary of Our Lady of Lourdes, one of the most famous sites of Marian apparitions worldwide, is facing an important decision. What to do with Father Marco Rupnik's mosaics that decorate the facade of the Basilica of the Rosary? With the accusations of sexual abuse of adults against Father Rupnik, Bishop Micah stressed that the question of the status of his works and their future arises. My personal comment, tear it all down. Church Pop reports Pope Francis' historic Urbi at Orbi Blessing will be sent into space with a satellite. The Vatican reported that Pope Francis blessed a miniature Space Ateles satellite that will travel through space and will contain a nanobook bearing the Urbi at Orbi Blessing of March 27, 2020. The Italian Space Agency will send the satellite into space aboard a Falcon 9 rocket from the Vandenberg Space Force Base in California. 
on June 10th. And finally, BBC News reports former U.S. President Donald Trump has been consulting lawyers at Trump Tower in New York City as he prepares to face history-making criminal charges. He has been under investigation over hush money paid just before the 2016 election to a pornography star who says they had intimate relations. He denies wrongdoing. Extra security measures are in place. Mr. Trump, 76, is the first ex-U.S. president to face a criminal case. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless us all. And our gospel today is Mark chapter 14 and chapter 5, 15. So we're not going to have time to cover the entirety of the gospel. I timed it out. It would take me about 10 to 15 minutes to read out loud. So we're not going to read the whole of it. Instead, we'll make a couple comments here. One of the first thing here is today is Holy Tuesday. And the Adrian Fortescue's commentary on Holy Tuesday reads, Tuesday in Holy Week draws us closer to the cross, reminding us to glory in it, in the fruits of redemption, while presenting to us the meek and humble Christ and the words of the prophet, and I was as a meek lamb that is carried to be a victim. Now, the passage that is uh, set aside to be meditated upon today is thou shalt offer him for a holocaust upon one of the mountains referring back to isaiah and referring back to our lord who is a fulfillment and as isaiah was a type of our lord now i'm going to read to you a little section from father thomas crean's uh commentary on the gospel of mark he commented on the passage from the from chapter 14 and 15 as well as the, all, the rest of the gospel. So I'll read this passage here. And when evening was come, he cometh with the twelve. And when they were at table and eating, Jesus saith, Amen, I say to you, one of you that eateth with me shall betray me. But they began to be sorrowful, and say to him one by one, Is it I? Who saith to them, One of the twelve, who dippeth with me his hand in the dish. And the Son of Man indeed goeth, as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man shall be betrayed. It were better for him if that man had not been born. Now here, this commentary from Father Thomas Crean, he says, St. Mark records our Lord's prophecy of the betrayal with a special vividness. One of the twelve who dippeth with me his hand in his, the dish. But why are the apostles ignorant who it is? Since Judas can hardly have concealed his true disposition infallibly. Venerable Mary of Agreda answers that they had their suspicions of him, but had checked them when they saw the particular tokens of love and honor that Christ and Mary paid to him. Since it would be better for Judas if he had not been born, it is impossible. Let me read that again. Since it would be better for Judas if he had not been born, it is impossible to hope for his salvation. Now, many people might say, we should hope for the salvation of Judas. This is not the case because our Lord had said himself that it would be better for him not to have been born. For us to hope for the salvation of Judas is for us to hope that our Lord is wrong. It's for us to hope that our, to make void the word of God. So we cannot hope for the salvation of Judas for it would be a violation of the words our Lord said. Now, on the commentary on verses 53 through 65, here, Father Thomas, and we read to you the passage first, he says there, And they brought Jesus to the high priest, and all the priests and the scribes and the ancients assembled to gather. And Peter followed him, 
from afar off even into the courts of the high priest, and he sat with the servants at the fire and warmed himself. And the chief priest and all the council sought for evidence against Jesus that they might put him to death and found none. For many bore false witness against him, and their evidences were not agreeing. And some rising up bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another not made with hands. And their witnesses did not agree. And the high priest, rising up in the midst, asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing to the things that are laid at thy charge by these men? But he held his peace, answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said to him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed God? And Jesus said to him, I am. And he shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power of God and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rended his garment, saying, What need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy. What, what think you? who all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him, and to cover his face, and to buffet him, and to say unto him, Prophesy. And the servants struck him with the palms of their hands. Now here, Father Thomas says, Jesus held his peace when accursed, and thereby honored the law, since the very fact that their witnesses did not agree plainly showed that the requirements of Deuteronomy, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall stand, had not been met. This shows that the chief priest were violating the law because they had to have witnesses against him. Yet they're like, we can't find anybody who will actually testify against our Lord. Everyone here is a liar. And so the chief priests are like, nah, just forget it. We're going to throw him in prison nonetheless. This shows the great injustice on top of everything else, that they could not even find a legitimate crime to pin on our Lord. It's very interesting. He says here, St. Robert Bellarmine considered that the high priest and councils of the old law were not able to err on matters of faith before the coming of Christ. Once Christ had come, however, it was no longer necessary for them to be divinely protected from error, since he is himself the supreme high priest of the church. Hence, Caiaphas errs by solemnly declaring the gospel a blasphemy. According to Mary of Agreda, the joy that Christ felt in suffering for mankind caused his face to shine in a way that the accusers found intolerable, and so they made haste to cover his face. That's very interesting to me, something that I never would have considered. Now, there is much more here in Father Thomas Crean's commentary on this and the passages from chapter 14 and 15, and much more could be said about Pontius Pilate. Maybe we'll have time to cover some of this in the after show, but that's going to do it for the gospel. And the next hour, we're going to be talking about a man getting thrown in prison for sharing a meme on social media. That's very concerning. So we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, Donnie, name four of the seven sacraments. Baptism, confession. That's right, reconciliation. Communion and confirmation. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. 
Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed to the church down the street. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. There's so much in the news that we have to cover, and whoo-wee, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. But let's start here. Let's start with this far-right influencer convicted in voter suppression scheme. At least that's what the headline from Politico says. I don't know how honest we can uh, trust that headline. This character here, which is kind of sad, Douglas Mackey, 33 years old of West Palm Beach, Florida, was convicted in Brooklyn Federal Court before Judge Ann Donnelly after a one-week trial. Now, what was this person's crime? They sent out a meme that they created that was a that basically said, if you're a Democrat, vote on Wednesdays. On Wednesday, because the voting day is Tuesday. And the in here it says the they had a a campaign, a meme that looked like a campaign ad with Hillary Clinton on it and someone with the with the speech bubble saying vote via text message or social media. And knowing that the those endorsements were not legally valid votes. Now, did this actually cause anyone to not vote? That's a good question. I have no idea. But the real thing is, how many times have you seen this problem happen? How many times have you seen this happen over and over again? Now, I think that this problem is a, is a serious thing. Something that we see happen because we, we see the Democrats and uh, make this joke all the time. It's just a joke. People do this all the time where someone will say something like, oh, you know, if you're if you're of the opposite party, vote on this day. LOL. Ha 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 ha. It's not the end of the world. People know when voting day is. At least they should. And it's not that difficult to find out and go find it from official sources. But the fact that some people find out these things and then they choose to cancel and try to not just cancel, but arrest someone for making the same joke. When there are other people of the opposite party that do the exact opposite, that do the, that do the exact same thing, but to get treated in a complete opposite way. That's a very concerning situation, and it does what a, a chilling of speech, where it's like, okay, if you're on the left, you're free to make jokes. If you're on the left, you can say whatever you want, and you don't have to fret of getting in trouble, of getting banned, of getting kicked off of places. But if you're on the right, then you have to be very wary. You better check everything you say, and you better not slip up, not just one time. And even if you never slip up, we're probably just going to make something up and pin it on you anyway. That's a very, very concerning situation. And I feel like it's being uh, overlooked by many people because this is a chilling of free speech at the very least. And at the most, this is a destruction of our First Amendment rights. Are you saying that we're unable to make uh, for, use our First Amendment right to, to lie to people? Let's just say this person wasn't making a joke. He was just straight up lying to people. Is that now illegal? Is it illegal to lie? Well, I would be perfectly fine with people not lying. However, I am not okay with making it illegal to lie 
at least especially whenever you're just doing it on your own personal social media pages. Now, if your lies are perjury, if you're lying in court, obviously that's a different situation. If you're lying in a contract, that's a different situation. But if you're lying on social media to try to just mess with people, well, while I don't think that's a great thing that someone should do, it's certainly not something that you should be uh, thrown in prison over. So this is a very concerning situation that we should all keep our eyes on. That's ridiculous what they're doing. This happens again and again and again. And as, as Catholics, I, I know we, we should engage people, uh, people in, in, in person uh, evangelization is much more effective than staying online. But at the same time, we, we do need to exercise our rights and we do need to, to uh, take legal actions at times to protect ourselves. In this case, I hope hopefully the Alliance Defending Freedom or some other Christian or Catholic uh, law organization will come to the defense and vigorously defend this poor guy. This is this is going to continue and it'll only get worse. We need to prepare ourselves, prepare ourselves, fasting, praying, attending mass, visiting Jesus in the Eucharist. Start working and building up your virtues uh, and decrease your uh, your vices. Uh, It's only going to get worse. Cardinal George was prophetic in what he said that he's going to die in his death uh, deathbed and and his his successor will die in jail and the one after them will die in the streets. So. Uh, it's only progressively going to get worse, and uh, we just we just need to buckle up and hang in there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, this other story here, it says, CBS News banned reports from using the word transgender while covering the Nashville shooter. This is a very consider- concerning story as well. The, the shooter's gender has not been confirmed by CBS News, the New York executive said to reporters obtained by the New York Post. As such, we should avoid any mention of it because it has no known relevance to the crime. Should they change that, we can and will revisit. Now, this is a very concerning story because it's very clear. So if, if, so, if someone is a, a white guy and someone kills anybody and is a, is a shooter or any kind of thing, the media immediately reports a white teenage male or white 30-year-old male does X, Y, or Z. But if someone is anything else... If, so, if someone is anything else, we this is a very they will just pretend like it doesn't happen, but they would just not say anything. And in fact, it's kind of a running joke among uh, the and the people on the right to say, "Oh, let's see, was that was it mentioned that they're a what they were a white male? No, it didn't mention that. Okay, then we know for a fact that this person was probably anything but a white male, because if it was a white male, they just tell you right out." But if it includes no information, you can almost guarantee it wasn't a white male. Very interesting. And the fact that they're leaving out this information that it was a transgender individual is very interesting because it seems as though, it seems as though to me that people do not want people to try to make a connection between the idea of transgenderism and these uh, wicked acts that are happening, like the genocide of uh, people, the execution of of children, uh, these kind of things that are happening, they don't want us to make a connection between the mental illness of transgenderism and these actions. I I believe the last five mass shootings or five of the last ten within the last four to eight years were done by people uh, that were transgenders or transvestites. I'm not sure what they're calling themselves today, but yeah, that that uh, it's a very disturbing fact considering they make up less than point zero five percent of the population. 
Absolutely. It's very, very concerning considering they are a very small group of the population. And here's another interesting thing. Uh, Madonna came up and she said she was having a concert to raise money. And you're thinking, oh, well, that's good. Even though Madonna is a just horrific person who mutilated her own body and is uh, promotes Satanism. Well, at least she's doing something good. Well, the answer is no, no, of course not. Of course, she's not doing anything good. She did nothing for the Christian community, nothing for the families of the victims. Instead, she had a concert for trans rights. Whenever after the targeting of the trans shooter, she comes out and she says the oppression of the LGBTQ plus people is not only unacceptable and inhumane, it's creating an unsafe environment making America a dangerous place for our most vulnerable citizens, especially trans women of color. These so-called laws to protect our children are unfounded and pathetic. So a transgender individual, this transgender person, this, this woman who identifies as a man, who's a transvestite, uh, goes up and shoots six Christian people, three children, three people in their 60s, and... Madonna says, because of this, trans people are being oppressed, so we're going to do a concert raising money for them. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting, I would say. It's very concerning how the entirety of the media, the entire corporate world, gets up in arms to defend trans people when these things happen, which is right in line with what Justin Trudeau just did. If you just go up to our neighbor to the north, and Justin Trudeau said, transgender non-binary Canadians, you matter. <laughs> Your lives matter. And we'll keep working on Trans Day of Visibility and every day to make sure you can live your life as your true and authentic self. You deserve nothing less than that. This is in response to the fact that they're having a, tra- a drag summer camp for children seven years old up to 17. Drag queen summer camp. This is very, very concerning that the, they're promoting this and they're having it for children and the children will be allowed to come and spend time with these perverts, with these uh, many people might call them pedophiles, these people who want to dress up as characters of women and dance around and then teach that to teenage kids. I don't know what else you can call that. I don't know what else you can refer to that other than pedophilia. And these drag queens said, you might be wondering, is drag for kids? Drag is for everyone. Parents, ask yourself, what's the difference between what you wear at home versus what you wear at work? You're doing drag, honey. You just don't know it. Now, first of all, I have no idea what they're even what they mean by that. If uh, your clothes that you wear at at work and your clothes at home makes you a a drag queen, I don't I don't see the logic there. This is a very concerning situation, and we just need to be aware that these things are happening all over the place constantly. This isn't isolated incidents. And to prove that this is not an isolated incident, a, in the Virginia school board, here's plea to protect children from evil of after-school Satan Club. TFP Student Action actually put out a video, which I highly recommend uh, checking out. The, in the video, they, they, one of the members of TFP Student Action, Mr. Joseph Jensen, who so actually a good friend of mine. He's actually a Canadian and he's uh, went to this, to the Virginia school board to speak in defense of children. And they're having, they're trying to host a satanic school club again, again, 
We're seeing this all over. This was in Texas. This is up in, in a spring area in Texas. This happened in Louisiana. This is happening in Virginia. This is happening all over the country. And it's happening more and more every single day trying to promote the satanic evils. And Mr. Joseph Jensen makes it very, very clear why that this is anti-religion. And if this, because this is anti-religion, this cannot be protected under the freedom of religion. How could it be a freedom of religion if this is against religion? If this is against God, then how could it possibly be a under freedom of religion? And so this should be banned, and this should be not allowed in our schools. And you should definitely check out that video. Mr. Joseph Jensen has a lot of good things to say. And the last thing to note about this whole situation here is that trans activist Dylan Mulvaney announced his partnership with Bud Light. <laughs> very, very interesting. Uh, you wouldn't think that Bud Light would be a huge supporter of transgender ideology, considering their, the uh, market share for Bud Light tends to be a working-class men. I don't know too many LGBTQ people who are vying for Bud Light. But just so you know, in case you needed a reason... To say, I am never purchasing anything from the Bud Light Company ever again. And maybe I'll just buy local breweries. Or maybe I'll buy the, the beers from, uh, from Monks. That'd be a great, great gift. It says here, Bud Light has been a supporter of the LGBTQ community since the 80s. And we are excited to continue our long-standing partnership with GLAAD, the Gay Lesbian Alliance, by collaborating with them on this new commemoration bottle. Just remember that they hate you and they want to take your children and convert them to the leftist mob. So let's avoid these people and let's give our money to God instead. We're right back with more. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Could there be just one word that truly sets the Catholic church apart from all other churches? Yes, there is. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. That word is retain. How can one word bring such distinction? Well, understanding that retain means to hold back or to keep. Jesus tells the apostles, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Secondly, so what does that world say about sin. The therapist says forgive yourself. New Agers say it's just a state of mind. And the evangelical says just tell Jesus no matter how grave the sin, he'll forgive you directly. And finally, the word retain. We all know that non-Catholics don't go to a pastor to confess grave sins. Why? Because in Protestant thinking, you get to leapfrog humans and go directly to Jesus. And guys, let's don't hide under the newest term, be accountable. Hey, we all will be accountable up to the point that it hurts. Is embarrassing or is criminal? My priest can say, Steve, your sin's not forgiven. Does your pastor I think not. Why? Have you ever heard backlash, decreasing church attendance, and loss of revenue? I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Tuesday, April 4th, 2023, in the year of our Lord, and these are your headlines for this morning. OSV News reports Catholic faithful turned to a prayer as tornadoes tore through several U.S. states this past weekend, killing at least 21 injuring dozens and devastating thousands of homes, businesses, and schools. 
Amid the loss of life and property, Catholics in hard-hit Arkansas told OSV News they see a glimpse of God's mysterious mercies. Catholic News Agency reports French bishops have voted to open the sainthood cause of a 20th century theologian, Henri de Lubac. The French Bishops' Conference announced that the opening of the Lubac's cause for beatification was approved during the Plenary Assembly in Lourdes. De Lubac is considered by many to be one of the most important theologians of the 20th century. The French Jesuit priest was a leading thinker in resourcement school of thought that encouraged a return to the writings of the Church Fathers in Catholic theology. He also founded the Communio Journal with Joseph Ratzinger. Catholic News Agency reports Archbishop Corleone is going to hold a holy hour for Cardinal Zen, Jimmy Lai, and Hong Kong. As a former bishop of Hong Kong, Zen, an outspoken pro-democracy advocate, was arrested in May of last year by Hong Kong authorities convicted of improperly registering a pro-democracy fund and ordered to pay a fine which he has appealed. Jimmy Lee has been jailed since Jimmy Lai since December of, of 2020 for his involvement in pro-democracy protests. And finally, Asia News reports the Archdiocese of Seoul has officially opened the cause for the beatification of Cardinal Stephen Kim Soo Wan, its archbishop for 30 years and a key figure in the recent history of the Church of South Korea. Along with him, a diocesan commission formally established will also instruct the causes of Monsignor Barthélemy Bouchier, a French MEP missionary, was Korea's first apostolic. The opening cause the opening of the causes for the beatification of Kim Bang represents an important sign for the Korean church. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us right now via Zoom is Michael Hitchborn with the Lepanto Institute. Every time Michael comes on, he always has some great news to share with us. Uh, we need to invite him on to talk about something good for once, uh, not not have him be the, the bearer of bad news all the time. Uh, but good morning to you, Mr. Hitchborn. Uh, Tito, can you t- t- turn his mic on? Mr. Hitchborn, can, are you there? It's on. There you Oh, uh, we can't hear you at the moment. Uh, we Let's see. Uh, Tito will get that figured out. And so we will... Uh, As soon as the mic is fixed, Michael, just feel free to jump in. Um, But this story is very concerning. There are two stories uh, that Lepanto Institute put out. Uh, The first one is Bishop's transgender statement flies in the face of CCHD funding. Uh, The second story is the AUSCP presents condemned teachings about the Eucharist. Uh, Both these stories are very, very concerning. Though the, the first story here on the CCHD, you know, it starts off with some, some good news because the, the USCCV put out a 14-page document talking about the how transgender surgery is not good. So at first you wouldn't be like, okay, well, praise be to God. I'm glad that the that these uh, people are, the bishops are coming out and being against these transgender surgeries. That's uh, some good news. So all those, that's uh, something positive to start off the day with. But then we look at what the CCHD, the campaign, uh, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, very important that the word Catholic is in there. The Catholic Campaign for Human Development uh, comes out and they are funding organizations that are associated with transgender ideology. Uh, Michael, can, can you uh, can you or can we hear you now? No, I guess not. 
Um, let's see. Then we'll see in just a moment and see if that'll take care, if we can get that taken care of. Uh, let's see. The document here says that the Lepanto Institute published a highly detailed report on organizations receiving funding for the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. The official anti-poverty program of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, despite repeated claims that the CCHD never funds organizations that promotes grave moral evils like abortion, contraception. The Lepanto Institute reports demonstrates that 66 out of 214 CCHD funded organizations were doing just that. Included in this report are a number of CCHD funded groups that directly promote transgender ideologies, not only in direct opposition to CCHD grant guidelines, but now also in direct opposition to the USCCB's new document on transgender surgeries. Now, this is a very concerning situation uh, that we see that because 66 out of 214. So the CCHD funds 214 different organizations. 66, that's like what, 30%? Um, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, so if I'm just like spitballing, I think that's about 30%, maybe even 33%, uh, about a fourth. That's very, very concerning that uh, that is the case. Now, Michael, let's see. Uh, can you hear me now? Can Or can we hear you? No. Okay, we can hear you. I can see you trying to, or I can, you can hear us. I can see your mouth moving, but I can't hear your voice, unfortunately. Uh, maybe uh, you can call in to the phone line instead. Maybe that'll, you can do that. I uh, sent you over that phone number. The phone number is 877-757-9424. That's the phone number. And you can uh, call us in and we'll put you on via phone and have your video via uh, Zoom so we could take care of that and have that taken care of for us. And we'll do our best to uh, get this going uh, so we can figure out what is going on here. Uh, but joining us by phone is Mr. Michael Hitchborn. Uh, Michael, can you hear us? I can hear you loud and clear. Oh, perfect. We can hear you now, too. Praise yes. be to God. It's good to hear your voice. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, with the, the time we have remaining before we go to a break, tell me about this uh, CCHD situation. So when the bishop's statement came out about uh, transgender surgeries, which was very good, uh, we, I, I immediately <laughs> called to mind the fact that we had found a bunch of CCHD grantees that were actively promoting transgenderism. So it seemed to me a bit of a, a contradiction for them to come out and say, hey, uh, transgender surgery is a bad thing, uh, but then say nothing about the multitude of organizations that they are funding that are actively pushing this transgender ideology, and some of them are actually pushing for puberty, puberty blockers for kids, and they're also actually pushing for uh, the quote-unquote right to have transgender surgeries. So when we start looking at this this uh, contradiction between the two, it, well, the fact of the matter is the CCHD and the, the USCCB and the bishops need to they, they need to address this. They need to rectify the fact that they are saying one thing and doing another, and this is uh, this is incongruous uh, with what we are called to do as Catholics. They need to fix this situation. Absolutely. It's uh, very concerning. Uh, can you tell me about some of these organizations? I was going through your report, which 
I highly recommend people check out the actual report itself. And tell me about some of these organizations. Is it just, you know, okay, well, they actually just, you know, give some some free food to transgender people, and that's considered supporting transgender surgery. What's actually happening? So I'll start with uh, this group called Just Economics, which got a $50,000 grant from the CCHD this last grant cycle. Um, Just Economics was a conference sponsor for what was called the LGBT in the South Conference. And I'm just going to list uh, a few of the um, uh, the, the conference uh, lectures that they had, like trans inclusion in schools, ethically engaging youth in LGBTQ activism, fighting for equality in K-12 schools, meaning equality with trans rights, et cetera, LGBT youth resiliency in the South. Um, and then the, uh, the executive director, Vicki Meath, who is the executive director of Just Economics, she posted this on Facebook. House Bill 2 did a lot of harm to North Carolinians. It wasn't just about bathrooms. They used the latest wave of transphobic fears to roll back protections. So she was advocating for LGBTQ people, trans people, to be allowed into bathrooms. There's another group, uh, St. Paul Youth Services, which also got a $50,000 grant from the CCHD. They had a propaganda film that they produced back in 2017, and uh, the whole thing was about getting kids in high schools to use preferred pronouns. Uh, in 2016, uh, the St. Paul Youth Center uh, started posting things on Facebook about promoting LGBTQ youth and pride. And this group, Austin Interface, got $60,000 from the CCHD. They tweeted... Uh, they, they tweeted this on Facebook this, uh, in March, uh, of, let's see, this was March 11th of 2022, breaking Texas Judge Holt's child abuse investigations into gender-affirming care for transgender youth. And the, uh, the executive director of Austin Interface, he actually signed in favor, uh, he signed a, a paper, you know, going in favor of Texas House Bill 1399, this is in 2021, he signed in favor of, or or I'm sorry, he publicly opposed Texas House Bill 1399, and he said this, this bill interferes with decisions best made between doctors, parents, and their children. The state should not play the role of medical provider here. And, And what this bill did was prescribed puberty blockers for gender-confused children in Texas. So these groups are all pushing LGBTQ ideologies. Yeah, that is very concerning. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about what the bishops know and don't know. Is this something that they're aware of? All this and more when we come back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When determining specific moral truths, most Christian churches say they use the Bible. So it's safe to say that they have agreement on doctor-assisted suicide, abortion, contraception, and embryonic stem cell therapy. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a challenge for you. Speak with the five closest non-Catholic church pastors near to where you live. Inquire if they only use the Bible to determine their church stances on these issues. Secondly, my findings, there are some similarities 
similarities on abortion, but varied with two key exemptions. No common stance on embryonic stem cell therapy, contraception was accepted by all, and no across-the-board agreement on doctor-assisted suicide. And thirdly, my comeback. Should these social issues of life really be determined through individual conviction? Well, maybe we should just leave the determinants of salvation up for grabs also. Remember, the ones Jesus called the least of these will always be in grave danger if their existence is left up to individual conviction. Finally, check the very stance of the Catholic Church on these weighty issues. It's impressive. Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And joining us right now is Michael Hitchborn with the Lepanto Institute. We're talking about a very concerning situation. The USCCB's CCHD Fund, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, is donating money, and a significant amount of money, too, to 66 out of 214 CCHD-funded organizations. That's a very, very concerning situation. We just went through and showed that these organizations are not simply just little organizations and might be, you know, oh, we house people who are transgender and we're just trying to help them because we have to love everyone. No, they're actively promoting and pushing for these evil LGBT ideologies and mutilation of children uh, just after the USCCB came out publicly against these transgender ideologies and transgender mutilation of children. So my question for you, Mr. Hitchborn, is what do and do the bishops not know about this situation? Back in November, when we published this report, uh, we actually sent, uh, we, we sent out a press release with uh, some examples and links to all of the evidence that we've collected on these CCHD grantees to every bishop in the country. Uh, I know that they received this report. I know I don't know that they read it, but I know that they received it, and I know that they received our press release that talks about this. And, you know, I've been investigating the CCHD for, I want to say, going on 15 years now. Um, and I've I sat down with bishops. I've shown them page after page after page of evidence that we've collected. They know what they're funding. Uh, the problem is that only a handful of bishops are have the courage to just kind of say, you know what, I'm not going to collect for this anymore. But even they won't stand up and say, you know what, this collection is wicked. What we are collecting for is going to organizations that hate the church, hate society, hates America, because the fact of the matter is CCHD was created in 1970 for the specific purpose of financing Saul Alinsky's community organizing groups. And Saul Alinsky was a committed Marxist. He was all about fomenting class warfare. So there's no question that they know what they're funding, but what I want to know is when are they going to find a backbone and start publicly denouncing this agency because what they're doing is financing the enemies of Christ, and, and it's got to stop. And you say the financing the enemies of Christ, and it's very true because they're supporting LGBT things, Marxism, abortion. But what surprised me in your detailed report 
is how not a few of them are associated with the occult. And so they're literally funding yeah. the uh, the enemies of the church on a very direct way. Tell me about the relationship with a lot of these groups, both from leadership members and the organization themselves, with the occult. So there were several of the, of, of the uh, organizations in, in our main report. If you go to LepantoIN.org, you can, you can take a look at our highly detailed report. And uh, what you're going to find is that not only are these groups, as you said, funding abortion, LGBTQ activism, that kind of thing, but when you start digging down, you, you always find that where there is homosexuality, the occult is also involved. Um, one example is the Ostara Initiative, okay? The Ostara Initiative, if you look at their logo, it is, it's straight out of a Wiccan uh, book, Okay, the, the big rose symbol that they have with the phases of the moon, with the, uh, uh, they have this uh, wheel. It's, I can't remember what it's called. It's a something wheel. But all of the little elements, the geometric patterns of that particular logo come straight out of Wiccan uh, practices. It's a pagan symbol. It used to be called the Isis or Isis Rising. Okay, that was the original name of the uh, the Ostara Initiative, and they even said that uh, they named the organization Isis Rising after the Greek goddess of motherhood and fertility. They have a project called um, called the Minnesota Prison Doula Project, and the symbol for this project, their their logo is a big circle in the center with two crescents facing outward on the left and on the right. That symbol comes also straight out of paganism. It's called the triple goddess. And the triple goddess symbol represents the waxing, the full, and the waning moons that represent the maiden, the mother, and the crone. So it's, it's all steeped in Wiccanism. And the, um, the real problem with this group that we found is that they are promoting abortion they actively go into prisons, and they, have tried, they try to find ways of allowing for uh, people, women who become incarcerated and then either find they're pregnant later or find that uh, you know, they, were, they were incarcerated while they were pregnant. And they're trying to find ways of getting the state to allow them to get access to abortions, to get information on how to obtain abortions, and even to be taken to clinics for abortions. So it's, like I said, you, you find uh, homosexuality, you find the occult. You find abortion, you find the occult. It, it's just a matter of digging. Yeah, this is very, very concerning situation, and much more could be said, but I guess the, the, the thing to, to note here is, one, we should not be giving money to the CCHD. Instead, we should be going, if you go to Lepanto Institute, uh, Lepanto I-O, I-N, sorry, LepantoIN.org, and under Cherry Reports, you actually have a list of a ton of organizations, and you label them safe or not safe. And I think that's a huge benefit for so many people because, I mean, I, I want to give, I do give to a lot of organizations, but ultimately, my policy is I give to organizations that I'm very familiar with, that I know the people involved, that I trust the people involved and so I'd go and I'd give to them, to religious uh, orders that I know. But let's switch over to this story with the time we have left. The AUSCP presents condemned teaching about the Eucharist. Now, 
What is, let's start with this. What is the AUSCP? I think a lot of people are not familiar with this. AUSCP stands for the Association of U.S. Catholic Priests. And it was, it was founded in 2011 by a bunch of disaffected call-to-action type priests from the 1960s and 70s. And uh, their whole purpose is to continue on the work of the quote-unquote spirit of the Second Vatican Council, but really what they are are a bunch of heretics trying to pu- push uh, homosexuality in the priesthood, married priests. They want to they want to denigrate the priesthood to the to the point that uh, the priest is just kind of the exalted leader of the priesthood of the faithful. Uh, they want women deacons. They want women priests. And it's it, it it's all a continuation of the the heretical movement of the seventies. So. When you start digging down into the story that we found, one of the, uh, you know, we, we're always keeping tabs on this group and trying to make sure that they stay in line with church teaching, which they don't. And um, they posted a link to a video. Uh, they actually posted the, uh, an announcement saying, hey, participate in this lecture with Father Jim Basic. And it was all about the Eucharist. And I said, well, what's this all about? So then we saw that they actually posted the video. Father Jim Basic, by the way, is a member of the AUSCP. He's been a member of the AUSCP since its founding. Uh, he's a donor to the AUSCP. Uh, he's been to their to their meetings and that kind of thing. Well, this lecture that they posted of Father Jim Basic talks about uh, the the nature of the Eucharist, and he um, he goes through and he he kind of downplays transubstantiation. He claims that uh, you know Catholics aren't tied to that as a teaching. And then he actually goes in and he says, you know what, you don't have to hold transubstantiation as uh, the teaching of the Church. You don't have wow. to hold that. And he even recommends that, well, you know, if, um, if you're talking to somebody about the Eucharist and they don't quite get it, well, you can, you can actually promote the idea of transsignification, Whoa. which is a heresy. Yeah. Wow. For those who don't know, transignification is the idea that when the priest says the words of consecration, the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ does not become present substantially in the Eucharist. Instead, it changes its significance. So the bread and wine is still bread and wine, but now it's significant because the words were spoken over it, and so it's more symbolic than it was before. That's the kind of the the overview of what transsignification is. It's a grave, grave heresy. But but give me the good news, Mr. Hitchborn. You're telling me that these people were obviously have been excommunicated by the church. They've been condemned by all the bishops. Uh, tell me that's the case. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> I've been trying to alert the bishops to the AUSDP for, for five or six, no, seven years now. And uh, so far, no dice. No dice. Yeah, that's very concerning, considering that we see constantly uh, Rome coming down hard on Catholics who want to go to the Latin Mass. We see uh, Rome come down hard on faithful priests who uh, mess up one thing, uh, even if even if we have situations where priests do something wrong. But if they're conservative, more traditional, they get that hammer dropped on them with the full force of canon law. But these people are able to continue with doing what they're doing. That's very concerning. Have we seen uh, who who is associated with this? Is there is this just a a group that calls themselves Catholic? Because I it, I know that the church kind of has a 
a trademark on the word Catholic in a lot of places, and a lot of organizations mm-hmm. can't call themselves that. So it's surprising to me that their name is Catholic right there in the name and not get in trouble for this. So they are headquartered. They're, okay, so primarily they operate out of uh, Toledo, Ohio. However, um, they are incorporated <clears throat> in Chicago. So you can imagine how uh, how much oversight they really have. Uh, <laughs> Cardinal Supich of, of Chicago has actually spoken at and participated in AUSCP events. Their um, uh, their Episcopal leader, so to speak, is um, Archbishop Wester of Albuquerque or Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, he is the liaison to the USCCB for the AUSCP. Bishop John Stowe of Lexington is a member of the AUSCP. Uh, Archbishop Weekland was actually one, I think he was one of their founding Episcopal leaders. So you can, you can see that this, this problem goes way back. Um, uh, Bishop Gumbleton of, of, uh, Detroit is, is a member. Um, but they, they have a lot of participants from, uh, bishops, uh, wow. Cardinal, um, yeah, I'm trying to, uh, Cardinal, Cardinal Gregory. Cardinal, uh, Cardinal McElroy. Yeah, wow, this is very concerning. Well, that, I mean, on that happy note, uh, that's going to have to do it for the, that this time. Uh, what can people do? Where can people find more? And how can people act? Come to LepantoIN.org and uh, you can see the reports for yourself. LepantoIN.org. LepantoIN.org. Check it out. If you don't believe us, see it with your own eyes. LepantoIN.org to find more information. God love you, Mr. Hitchborn. We'll have to have you back to talk more. And that's going to do it for the first hour. Coming up, we have our game show here in Tripling, so don't go anywhere. There was no single event. It was more gradual. You know, eventually you just don't go one Sunday and then you don't go two Sundays in a row. Then went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you know what are the two most common questions after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is the worship? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be Supported by music and song, the 2,000-year history of Catholic worship is primarily about the representing of Jesus' unbloody, timeless sacrifice on every Catholic altar. It is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into Jesus' own body and blood. We then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self, whether sorrow or praise. And thirdly, my take. The only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions. That is, did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love? Help us, Father. Catholic Radio gives us something all day, every day, to fill our lives with our faith. We are completely inundated by the world constantly. Every time you go out shopping, the music that's playing, the the visuals that you see, TV, everything, we need Catholicism filling our minds. 
the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. This is Jose. And this is Rosa, and we're from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio, Radio for, for your soul. soul. They're very upset. They don't like to hear about what's going on with the USCCB, with the CCHD, and what the bishops are up to. And people don't like to hear it. And I always tell them, well, did you actually read the report? Did you go to LepantoIN.org and read it for yourself? Because, I mean, if what Michael Hitchborn is saying is not true, then that's a big deal. He's That's a grave, grave uh, calumny against the bishops and against these organizations. So if they're not true, go check out the report. Tell me, show me how he's wrong. And I would love to retract what I said and say, hey, yeah, I, I was wrong. These things didn't happen. The bishops are all hunky-dory, squeaky clean. I would love to say that. I would love to say that. So make sure you go check out LepantoIN.org. See what he said. Maybe what he said is wrong. And if it's wrong and I missed it, well, you let me know. And I will. I promise I will make a public detraction uh, of those statements. And, I, and that would be the case. But I have read through his reports. I've looked at all the things he's put out. And from what I can see, everything looks to be 100% exactly as he's articulating it. And it's a very concerning situation. And the solution to the crisis in the church is not to bury our heads in the sand. And this would, it would be the easy way. The easy way would be to bury our heads in the sand and pretend that none of these things are happening. That everything is hunky-dory and uh, every, the, there's no crisis in the church. But what we see over and over again is that the crisis happens. And the real situation here is that if we do not point out the crisis, it will become evident to people eventually. People will notice the crisis at some point, and when they notice it and they believe that there was no crisis, they believe that everything was just fine, and they then notice it, it becomes a great scandal to them, and it causes people to lose their faith. But if people hear it from faithful Catholics who, who love the church and do not seek the destruction of the church but seek its restoration, when it comes from people who love the church, it doesn't need to be a scandal. Instead, what it can be and what we desire it to be is an exposing of the rot in order to bring in the light, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For we see right there in the Passion Narrative, which we read, yes, we read Sunday, which we read today, the Passion Narrative of our Lord Jesus Christ shows us that the good and the bad alike will be together. That our Lord chose 12 apostles and one of the 12 handpicked by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was in fact a traitor, was in fact a thief, stole from the money purse, who betrayed our Lord with a kiss, who dipped his hand in the dish with him, whom our Lord loved, and yet he was damned. If this was case, as this was the case with uh, the people that our Lord himself chose, handpicked, how much more true is it today that we are going to have many Judas priests in the world today. And even if, even if it was just one twelfth of all the bishops, 
if if the percentage of bishops was equal today as it was to the time of our Lord, if it was just one twelfth were traitors, this would still be a lot of a lot of uh, bad a bad lot. with a lot of Judas bishops in the world. And on top of that, remember, at our Lord's passion, when he headed to the cross, how many of the apostles remained with him? How many? One. Only one bishop, only one apostle remained with our Lord to the cross. And that was St. John the Evangelist. St. John, he who loved our Lord. Of all the apostles, the only one, not even Peter himself, Nope. Not even he who he chose to be the rock and foundation of the church, he who became the first pope, not even he stayed at the foot of the cross. He left our Lord. And so should we be shocked? Should we be scandalized when the bishops are echoing the actions of the apostles? No, we shouldn't. It's something that we shouldn't desire. It's something that we should, we should repudiate. But it shouldn't be shocking to us. So let's pray that they continue to imitate the apostles and repent. And repent and return to our Lord. Because all the apostles repented, save that of Judas. Judas was the only one that was the son of perdition. All the other apostles repented. And our Lord reaffirmed Peter's faith and said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. In this action, our Lord restored him to his place restored him to his office and recognized him and prayed for him that his faith will not fail. And so that way he may strengthen the brethren. So let us pray that our bishops today may echo the words of the apostles and be strong and stand there at the foot of the cross. And you know how St. John the Evangelist was the only one to be at the foot of the cross? Do you know why St. John the Evangelist was the only one of the apostles who stayed with our Lord and did not abandon him. The reason is because he loved Our Lady more than all the other apostles. The reason is because he clung close to the Virgin Mary. The reason is because he was following the words of our Lord when he told St. John, Behold your mother. And so if we too do not want to be like those apostles, if we too do not want to be like those who abandon our Lord, the answer is always Our Lady. If we keep our eyes fixed on her, she who is queen of heaven and earth, she who is the mediatrix of all graces, she who is as terrible as an army in battle array, then she will protect us. She will protect us from despair, from fear, from scandal, because Our Lady will never scandalize us. Our Lady cannot scandalize us. She who is all perfect, who is all loving, and so let us not be scandalized by what's happening in the church. Let us instead recognize this as an opportunity for us to suffer and to offer penances and sacrifices and to offer prayers for the salvation of these bishops, for the salvation of our brethren, and for the conversion of so many souls so that way souls may be saved. Now to slightly pivot, I'm reading this book, Life of Union with Mary by Father Emil Newbert. I cannot recommend this book enough. I highly, highly recommend. Maybe make this your Easter reading. It's Life of Union with Mary by Father Emil Newbert. In this passage, I was really touched by this because I was, the other day, I was rushing. I was sprinting to try to get to a location, and I was running late, 
And I was reading this immediately after, and it really touched me. It says, for the hurried man, so here, haste causes the same havoc to union with Mary that it causes to spiritual life in general. For the hurried man, there is no intimate union with Mary in spiritual exercises. He forgets to place himself in her presence before praying or meditating. Or after placing himself in her presence, he soon forgets about the sentiment, which is only superficial anyhow. For him, there is no intimate union with her in her ordinary occupations. He begins them automatically without thinking of offering them to her. And during his work, he is too absorbed to raise his eyes to her. For him, there can be no intimate union of will. He cannot stop for a moment to consider the intentions of Mary to act according to her will. For him, consultation with Mary is impossible. Either he will not submit his ideas to her, or he will not wait for her response. For him, there is no intimate union of sentiments. It costs him too much to spend a moment in telling his feelings to his mother. Besides, he is too agitated to enjoy the profound peace of her company. So how can we overcome this deadly defect? There are natural and supernatural ways. Here we shall consider only the Marian means, namely the imitation of Mary and recourse to her. In general, we should imitate her modesty, her bearing, her manner of walking, speaking, and working. She certainly must have done much work without ever hurrying. We should contemplate her, recollected and absorbed in the thoughts of God, whose tabernacle she is, and who dwells in us also. Modesty establishes peace. We should also imitate her spirit of order. Without the least doubt, there was perfect order and neatness in the home of Nazareth. We lack order because we are too much in a hurry to place objects where they belong. Like modesty, order establishes peace. And I, I read that and I was very touched by this. Because as someone who is very busy, it's not good to be busy. In fact, being busy is something that we kind of use as an excuse to ignore the things that are important to us. We say that we are busy, too busy to do things like pray. We're too busy to spend time with our family. This is a very interesting and sad situation that we find ourselves in the 21st century that we have a cult of busyness. In fact, we feel like we're doing something wrong if we fail to answer that we're busy. And here, uh, Father Newbert says, consider this remark in the spiritual notebook of a very busy priest. When I have many urgent jobs, I am tempted to cast only a distracted glance toward Mary instead of trying to act in her name. I have found this a bad business. When I deliberately try to be Mary doing the good pleasure of her son, I am perfect master of myself. And I soon can go ahead with my work more perfectly than when I do not have a time to begin in her name. Especially when I have little time, I ought to say, be careful. You have so much to do. Let her take over so that way you will be able to do it all. And here is the experience of another busy person. It is unbelievable how working with Mary makes a task easier. That is what I ask her every day before work, which taxes my capacity. Then I am not discouraged. I know that I will achieve my purpose. My days are full. On that account, I do not omit my religious practices. One day at Mass, I recovered my calm by asking the Blessed Virgin for hers. That was revolutionary. After Mass, I was a changed man. And since that time, I always ask her to work 
with me. Now, so much could be said here, but here's the thing. We are so busy. We have so many worries in our day. We have so many stresses, so many scandals. How do we deal with it all? If we try to do it of our own accord, if we try to put it all on our shoulders and march the way we will collapse, we will not be able to carry it all. There's just too much to do in a day. There's just too many scandals, too much sadness, too much burdens, and we can't carry it all. But when we take a breath and we say, come Holy Ghost, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse. When we take a deep breath and offer three Hail Marys in honor of the most beloved daughter of God the Father, the most admirable mother of God the Son, the most faithful spouse of the Holy Ghost, and we ask her to take that burden upon her, and we imitate her life and say, not my will, but my lady's will be done in me. And always know that our lady's will is only and can only be our Lord's will. And it's so much better to do our lady's will because she does the will of her son, but she does it perfectly. She does it perfectly because she has no concupiscence, because she has no fault, no defects, no distraction of the mind. She does the will of her son perfectly. And so should we give it all to her and imitate her life and take the time, especially during this Holy Week, to gaze upon our most sorrowful mother and give it all to her and recognize what would Our Lady do in the situation? What comportment would she have? What patience would she have? What order would she have? Then maybe we can be set on the right path. And we don't have to worry any further. We don't have to be concerned with the world. We don't have to be concerned with all the hustle and bustle. I always think of that of that country song, I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I got to do is live and die. And I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. And that's, that's honestly the motto of so many people, including myself. So instead, let's reject that mentality and set our eyes on Our Lady and all will be well. And all will go according to our Lord's will. And speaking of our Lord's will, our Lord wills that you call in for the game show, Fear and Trembling. We're going into our game show, Fear and Trembling. You could win the prize. That number to call, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call that number now, and we will have you as our contestant, 877 877- 757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, 
We should not blame people for whatever bad things they may sometimes do. We should not judge them for their faults. We should be kind and merciful. Well, of course we should be kind and merciful. However, it is not merciful to say that we should not blame them for the sins they commit. As G.K. Chesterton says, blame is actually a compliment. It is a compliment because it is an appeal to a man's soul. When we call a man a coward, we are, in so doing, asking him how he can be a coward when he could be a hero. When we rebuke a man for being a sinner, we imply that he has the potential of being a saint. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, what does the catechism say that the purpose of life is? No love and serve God to be happy in the next. That's right. So we can be happy with him in the next life. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be a part of our game, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. All you have to do is dial 877-757-9424. You dial that number and you could be our contestant. And we have, let me show you how this game works. I have three Catholic trivia questions. And I don't ask you the questions. I ask Tito the questions. And Tito's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he's right or he's wrong. It's your job to discern whether or not he's being tricky or is he not being tricky. That is on you. That means you have a 50-50 chance every single time to win the, the get the answer correct. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And this week, because we only have three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of the second hour of the show, meaning we're only going to be playing the game show three days this week, that means tomorrow... We draw out the name of our winner. And so if you call in 877-757-9424, your odds of winning are extremely high. That number, 877-757-9424. The chances of winning is like 3 in 12 at best best guesses is about 3 in 12 chance of you winning. But what is the prize for this week, Tito? Thank you for asking, Adrian. The Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is a six-month subscription to the Wonderless Catholic Subscription Service valued at $46 from Annunciation Designs. Annunciation Designs offers practical products to help your family call to mind the sacred in the midst of the ordinary. Their monthly snail mail subscription letter, The Wonderless Catholic, takes readers on a pilgrimage to a Catholic treasure right from their home. Find out more at AnnunciationDesigns.com. That is AnnunciationDesigns.com. 
AnnunciationDesigns.com. Thank you very much, AnnunciationDesigns.com, for your generous support. Uh, that number to call, I'm looking over on my left, and I'm seeing that there are no calls on the line. That means the next person to call in, 877-757-9424, the next person to call in will be our contestant and have an excellent chance of winning this week's prize from AnnunciationDesign.com. That number, 877 757 nine four two four and if you can't call in today we'll make sure that you hop on and you write that number down into your speed dial so that way you can be our contestant in the future as soon as we open the lines at the seven o'clock hour you can hop on and be our contestant And if you don't get on today then make sure you stay on for tomorrow may you call in early and we can definitely have you on as our contestant so maybe you write that number down. And remember, all of our information about the game show can be found at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. All the information about the game show, how the rules, the phone number, all that jazz can all be found at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, joining us right now is Rob. Good morning to you, Rob. Hey, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Praise be to God. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. The Dallas-Fort Worth area. Praise be to God. Where are you off to this morning? Uh, just got back from the gym and uh, getting a little bit of work done before heading to Mass at Noon. Praise be to God. That's a uh, excellent uh, start to your day. You get a, got the got the pump in, then you're getting uh, getting the prayer in later. Uh, that's a That's a good Holy Tuesday, I would say. How's your link going? Going, going fantastic. Um, you know, really got back to uh, you know working on that relationship with God, and making sure that there's no gap there, and um, you know, really, really blessed to uh, be heading into Holy Week, and um, you know, being able to really take advantage of uh, trying to get closer to God during this time. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Well, thank you very much, Rob, for, for calling in, and I hope you have a blessed Holy Week. But we have a game show to get going. Do you, are you familiar with how the game works? I am. Praise be to God. Then you know that uh, Tito can be a mighty, mighty tricky, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, don't worry. I'm, gonna, I'm looking at the questions here, and I got to say, I think you're going to get at least... At least three of them right. That's my guess. Uh, of all the questions, <laughs> all right. that's my guess. That's my guess. All right, let's jump in. Uh, Tito, first question to you. All right. The question on the board. During the French Revolution, what happened to the property of the Catholic Church? The French Revolution, one of my favorite topics to read upon, though not my favorite event, they were horrible. They stole everything a lot from the church they destroyed the churches they plundered their sacred relics they they sold many items to the highest bidder it it was horrible the french government the so-called progressive people's government came in and just wiped them out wow well you know what they say i mean i've i've always been told i've been reliably informed 
that the French Revolution was actually a good thing. I, I've been told that many times. Everybody says the French Revolution was wonderful. It was a great time of libertinism and reason. So what you're telling me they stole. Okay, well, there we go. Yep. All right, Rob, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, during the French Revolution, what happened to the property of the Catholic Church? Tito seems to think that it was stolen by the state, and much of the church's sacred relics and art were destroyed or sold to the highest bidder. Whereas I've, I mean, I've always been told, I, I remember learning in school, like, that French Revolution's great, it's wonderful, it's uh, the, the pre and post uh, inspiration of the American Revolution. It's so great. All right, Rob, 15 seconds on the clock. What say you? Is Tito lying to you? Is telling you the truth? Is he deceiving you? True or false? What say you, Rob? I'm going to have to go with Tito's answer. He's going to go with true. Praise be to God, Rob. Could not fool you. Congratulations. You nailed it. Yes, in yes. fact, the French Revolution was no bueno. It was a uh, big zero. Do not recommend do not pass go. Do not collect $200. All right, Rob, are you ready for question numero dos? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, uh, Tito, numero dos actually means uh, two in sign language. In sign language? Yes, in sign language. I hear that's a, a, an African language. Uh, you do hear that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, question number two. What is the term for the clipping of the hair to symbolize that one has been raised to the clerical state? Now, this doesn't happen too often anymore. Very nope. few religious communities do this, but yet it is still done. What is the term for the clipping of the hair to symbolize that one has been raised to the clerical state? When you've been raised to the clerical state, especially if you view sacred art, you'll see a bald spot on the heads of monks and brothers. It's called a tonsure. Oh, wow. You're, so you're going with tonsure. Tonsure, yeah. Okay. We, we need to bring okay. that practice back. All right. Well, there you go, folks. I always thought it was called the holy bald spot, but tonsure <laughs> sounds good, too. That's what I call All mine. All right, Rob. The question on the board is, what is the term for the clipping of the hair to symbolize that one has been raised to the clerical state? Well, Tito seems to think that the answer is tonsure. And tonsure, that doesn't even sound like a real word to me. But what say you, Rob? 15 seconds on the clock. Is he right? Is he wrong? Is he telling the truth? Is he lying to you? What say you, Rob, from Dallas? I think we're going to have to go with Tito again. It's going to go with true. Nailed it. Two for two so far. I told you. I, I think he's going to be. He's going to get a three for. Dose I, for two. I'm thinking he's going to get a three for. That's pretty impressive, Rob. Wow. Uh, yeah, a tonsure is that holy bald spot on the top of the head. Though it's typically, it's t there's different kinds of tonsures. So you got the tonsure where they, the the bishop just clips the four corners, symbolizing the cross, and that's a they just a little clip clip. I did not but know then that. you have the older tonsures where they shave the top of the head, and then sometimes they shave them a huge bald spot on the head, sometimes a smaller one. But all of those are all considered. Tondras. I say bring it back. Supercuts, baby. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun to see your, your local priest with a tondra on his head. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> All righty, Rob, you ready for number three? We're ready. Let's see if Tito can do the hat trick. Uh, let's do it. Let's see if Tito can pull it off. Question numero trace. That's actually uh, French Canadian for, uh, for three. Uh, the French. Uh huh. Uh huh. Speaking of, uh, what is the name of the small sanctuary bell? Small sanctuary bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Brenham, uh, Bluebell. Uh, Bluebell. Blue bell. Oh, yeah. and that's where Bluebell Ice Cream Company got their name from. Yes, Catholic uh -huh. Origins. Oh, 
Yes. Uh, very interesting. Best very... ice cream in the country. Praise be to God. I, I agree. All righty, Rob. 15 seconds on the clock. The name, the question on the board is, what is the name of the small sanctuary bell? Tito seems to think it's called Blue Bell, and that's where, that's where Blue Bell ice cream got their name from. Oh, 15 seconds of the clock, Rob. What say you? Is Tito right? Is he wrong? Is he messing with you? Is he telling you the truth? What say you, Rob, from Dallas, Texas? I think uh, Tito's wrong in this one. Oh, you're gonna, you can't go with him this time, he says. <laughs> no. Kidding. No, no, it is correct. It is, in fact, wow. correct. You are correct, Rob. That's a three for you made three it. For. You got three for three. The correct answer is actually the sacring bell. The sacring bell. I'm assuming that stands for sanctuary or maybe sacred bell, maybe? I think so. I don't know the origins of the word, but that's the name. So whenever mass starts and hear the ding, ding, that's what that is called. It is called a sacring bell not a blue bell but thank you very much rob for calling in today and thank you thank and you. So that's gonna do it we win right yeah, yeah it won three, three for three stay on the line we're gonna get your contact information and we're gonna put your name in the coffee cup three times to draw out tomorrow see if you win so make sure you tune in tomorrow to see if we draw your name but that's going to do it. Have a great day, and God bless you, Rob. Stay on the line. Don't go anywhere. Going to put you on hold, and that's going to do it for the first or the second hour of Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us, and you can hop on our social media feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, and hang out with us and we'll interact with you directly. If not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Take up your cross, the Savior said, If you would my disciple be, Deny yourself, the world forsake, And humbly follow after me. Take up your cross, let not its weight Fill your weak spirit with alarm His strength shall bear your spirit up Shall brace your heart and nerve your arm In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. 
Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, grant us so to celebrate the mysteries of the Lord's Passion that we may merit to receive your pardon. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Hear me, O islands. Listen, O distant peoples. The Lord called me from birth. From my mother's womb he gave me my name. He made me a sharp-edged sword and concealed me in the shadow of his arm. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver he hid me. You are my servant, he said to me, Israel, for whom I show my glory. Though I thought I had toiled in vain and for nothing uselessly spent my strength, my reward is with the Lord. My recompense is with my God. For now the Lord has spoken, who formed me as his servant from the womb, that Jacob may be brought back to him and Israel gathered to him. And I am made glorious in the sight of the Lord, and my God is now my strength. It is too little, he says, for you to be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivors of Israel. I will make you a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. The word of the Lord. I will sing of your salvation. I will sing of your salvation. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me and deliver me. Incline your ear to me and save me. I will sing of your salvation. Be my rock of refuge, a stronghold to give me safety. For you are my rock and my fortress. O my God, rescue me from the hand of the wicked. I will sing of your salvation. For you are my hope, O Lord, my trust, O God, from my youth. On you I depend from birth. From my mother's womb, you are my strength. I will sing of your salvation. My mouth shall declare your justice, day by day your salvation. O God, you have taught me from my youth, until the present I proclaim your wondrous deeds. I will sing of your salvation. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of our salvation. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of our salvation. Hail to you, our King, obedient to the Father. You were led to your crucifixion like a gentle lamb to the slaughter. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of our salvation. 
The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you. Reclining at table with his disciples, Jesus was deeply troubled and testified, Amen, amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another at a loss to whom he meant. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter nodded to him to find out whom he meant. He leaned back against Jesus' chest and said to him, Master, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I hand the morsel after I have dipped it. So he dipped the morsel and took it and handed it to Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot. After Judas took the morsel, Satan entered him. So Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now none of those reclining at table realized why he said this to him. Some thought that since Judas kept the money bag, Jesus had told him, buy what we need for the feast, or to give something to the poor. So Judas took the morsel and left at once, and it was night. When he had left, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify him in himself, and he will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and as I told the Jews, where I go you cannot come, so now I say it to you. Simon Peter said to him, Master, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going you cannot follow me now, though you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Master, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Amen, amen, I say to you, the cock will not crow before you deny me three times. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. On this Tuesday of Holy Week, we're presented with of course, Judas is already his, he leaves at night. We'll talk about more about him on Wednesday, we use a tradition called Spy Wednesday. But Tuesday focuses a little bit more on Peter. Peter is the one who confessed, you are the Christ. He also confessed, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. As we hear in the gospel today, says, I will lay down my life for you. Peter's confessions, those different moments, doesn't mean that he really understands the mystery completely of what's going on. It only reaches its true fullness once he's gone through the Paschal events, which we come in this, at the end of Holy Week and into the Paschal Triduum. In a way, too, it reflects a bit, a little bit of our own faith, which in, always, in a, in a sense, is a bit of an initial one. We still have to carry out a great journey. Peter has to do the same. But it's essential that our faith is always open and that we allow Jesus to kind of lead us by the hand. Peter has a bit of a rash response today. But it does not protect him. <laughs> he is going to be, he's going to go undergo the humiliation of human weakness. And we can recognize this too in our own lives. See, Peter followed Jesus with enthusiasm. He overcame the trial of faith, confesses his, in his, 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 his faith in Jesus. 
and then even abandons himself to Christ. But the moment comes when he gives in to fear and he falls and he betrays the master. That school of faith that all of us go through is not really a triumphal march, but really a journey that is marked by our daily suffering and, and love, by trials, but then also faithfulness. And Peter, who promised absolute fidelity, came to know the bitterness and humiliation of denial. The arrogant man learns the costly lesson of humility. Peter, too, must learn that he is weak and that he is in need of forgiveness. But once his attitude changes and he understands the truth of his own human weak heart, of a, the, that of a heart of a believing sinner, he weeps with liberating repentance. Prior to this experience, however, the, the apostle who, who is, becomes the rock, whom Jesus gives the keys to the kingdom of heaven, which certainly said, I love you, Lord, unconditionally. We know that when he's reached Jesus in the resurrection, he humbles himself. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. That he loves him with that weak human love, but that Jesus accepts that weak human love. He understands, Simon understands that his poor human love is enough for Jesus. It is the only one that he is capable of giving. And Jesus accepts that. So he, he, he has this journey from being this sort of naive enthusiasm of that initial acceptance, but then it passes through the sorrowful experiences of his denial and his weeping of conversion. And through this, Peter succeeds in entrusting himself to, the, to that Jesus who adapted himself to his poor capacity for love. And in this way, he shows us, Peter shows us that the way, that, that way, that notwithstanding all of our weakness, that Jesus adapts himself to this weakness of ours. So we follow with our poor capacity to love and to know Jesus, and he's good, that Jesus is good and he accepts us. It was a long journey for Peter that made him a trustworthy rock, the rock of the church, but he, has, he was constantly open to the action of the Holy Spirit. It reminds us in our own journey of our own weakness. Sometimes we want to say, Lord, I will do anything for you. I'll die for you. And we know that the moment comes when we have to give or bear our witness before our friends or, or before our family or even before the world and that the world is going to come up against us. And then all of that fear and even the temptation to deny the Lord like Peter comes. It is then that we want to remain faithful, that we recognize our human weakness, that it all doesn't completely depend on us, but only our faithfulness, that God will come through with his grace. Maybe in a bit of a, of a humorous way, it reminds me of a line from Flannery O'Connor's writing. She said, she wrote that, one of her characters, she, would, she could never be a saint, but she thought she could be a martyr if they killed her quickly. <laughs> and maybe that for us, that's, that's true in our own human weakness. I remember our, our co-founder, he would always say, it's not the dying, it's the torture. That's the hard part. <laughs> it's the torture that, this, that the martyrs have to go through. But they, they give us the example of being faithful. May the intercession of Peter, the rock, the, the rock of the church, help us to recognize, yes, God accepts our own human limited weak love. He accepts it, and then he augments it, raises it, lifts it up, 
through the Holy Spirit, we simply have to trust in Jesus with great humility. In this time of the Lord's Passion, when Christ offered prayers and supplications to his Father with loud cries and tears, let us humbly beseech God that in answer to his Son's reverent submission, he may in mercy hear our prayers also. Let us pray that the Church, the Bride of Christ, may be more fully cleansed by his blood in this time of his Passion. Let us pray to the Lord. that through the blood of Christ's cross all things in the world may be brought to peace for the sake of salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. That God may grant fortitude and patience to all who through sickness or hardship have a share in Christ's passion. Let us pray to the Lord. That we may all be led through the Lord's passion and cross to the glory of his resurrection in recognizing, like Peter, our weak human love, that Jesus accepts that love and, and loves us completely in his goodness. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray for the intentions of those here present, those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, and those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Be present, O Lord, to your people at prayer, so that what they do not have the confidence or presumption to ask, they may obtain by the merits of your Son's passion, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine, work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Look favorably, O Lord, we pray, on these offerings of your family. And to those you make partakers of these sacred gifts, grant a share in their fullness through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For the days of his saving passion and glorious resurrection are approaching, by which the pride of the ancient foe is vanquished, and the mystery of our redemption in Christ is celebrated. Through him the host of angels adores your majesty and rejoices in your presence forever. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in one chorus of exultant praise as we acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take this all of you and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ.
Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Peace of the Lord be with you always. The suffrage of the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tollis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be. God did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us all. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
Let us pray. Nourished by your saving gifts, we beseech your mercy, Lord, that by this same sacrament with which you have fed us in the present age, you, you may make us partakers of life eternal through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May your mercy, O God, cleanse the people that are subject to you from all seductions of former ways and make them capable of new holiness through Christ our Lord. Now, mighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. At the cross her station keeping Stood the mournful mother weeping Close to Jesus to the last Through her heart his sorrow sharing All his bitter anguish bearing Now at length the sword has passed The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy Thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi there, Chris Thornhill here from St. Rose 